Ho, ho, ho. Merry Cagemas. What has Nicolas Cage brought us this year? Why, it's the trust. And a happy Cageica. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalen. Hey, why, what's why wrong, Stuart? Stu? Why are Why are we still doing this, guys? <laughs> <laughs> the whole in, thing? Yeah. In yeah. life or the Flop House? <laughs> yeah. Why are we doing? Well, I guess life and the Flop House. Stuart, you should be triumphant. After all, I said Happy Cageica, and you immediately afterwards, when we were done with the intro, corrected me by saying, "Shouldn't have been Hanna Cage." So you were right. I should and I be was wrong. exultant, but Dan's probably going to leave that on the old cutting room floor. No, no, no. That's it's where he goes in and cuts the, the computer. And <laughs> that's where he cuts a hole in the floor to get to the safe underneath it. Spoiler but, alert for the movie. This imagines that I cut anything from any episode ever, or that I've listened to the podcast before. <laughs> <laughs> so, Stu, what's what's got you down? Yeah, come on. It's this the has most been a wonderful gr- this time has of been the year. A, uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it's winter out. Leaves are falling. Children calling. Mm-hmm. Yep. What else? Bros balling. One, mm-hmm. two, Freddy's coming for you. <laughs> um, Three, four, better lock the door. Well, yeah, I, get, I mean, okay. Five, six, get a crucifix. <laughs> Wait, that works against seven, Freddy's? Eight? What's I mean, seven, eight? A vampire? Uh, better stay up late. <laughs> Nine, ten? A big fat hand. <laughs> <laughs> the story checks out. Your math adds up. Hold on. Let me check the Christmas calculator. Boop, 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 boop. Oh, yep. Good holiday cheer. Mm-hmm. So, Dan, it's what? what is this show and what do we do on it? This uh, show is called The Flop House. Yep. It's a if podcast. If you thought you were listening to uh, 99% Invisible or... Mm-hmm. Radio Lab or something that has actual then factual content. You have some weird aphasia. Ooh, you have chosen the wrong one because you're about to enter a world of nonsense. Yep. And Here's some pain. stuff you should know. Uh, well, wait. It actually, you should know that you're listening to a bad podcast <laughs> about dumb stuff. <laughs> Not a bad podcast, a pointless podcast. And Dan, what do we do on this pointless, stupid podcast? We watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. Or we watch a movie, let's say, and then we talk about it. <laughs> mm, all right. Interesting. We <laughs> okay. split hairs. And Dan, now it is, as you mentioned, the happiest time of the year. Why is that? Yeah, what time is, of the year is it? Is it the summer solstice? Is uh, it flag day? Mm-hmm. Is it Secretary's Day? I assume that these are rhetorical questions because if they aren't, you're an idiot. Elliot. Dan, I've come unstuck in time. Is this, <laughs> yeah, is this a the minute ago? Of- I was a minute ago. I was sixty years old and I was in a space cage. <laughs> and then two minutes ago, oh, wow. I was a toddler. So I, what, what time is it? What year is it? Where am I? <laughs> Elliot, is that you sitting over in that chair as an old man while a childlike version of you is? Fitfully sleeping, worried the Sandman's going to show up. Oh, wait, because no. that's the same guy, right? Why would mash him up. Uh, yeah, I'm not quite sure what's. <laughs> I love that music video in Enter Sandman, <laughs> where they managed to uh, they managed to time the truck smashing into that bed uh, when James Hetfield goes. 
Ooh. You know that they have editing, right? That that's how they did. That's they didn't perfect. Like, the guy was <laughs> driving it, and he's like, "Okay, okay." No, we only have one take. First we only have one oh, shot at this. Fine. So James, do not screw up the timing. And truck driver, what's your name? Just do it right. Yeah, Metallica showed up at the bed store, and they're like, we go, "Hey, we gotta buy a bed." Ooh, it's not at real the very good. Bed store. <laughs> the bed store is like. Fuck you guys! I'm selling you one bed. No more shenanigans here, guys. <laughs> okay, we we gotta either ride the lightning or a race car bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> we want to fade to sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so show us your best bed. That's why they're sleeping with one eye open to make sure that that timing gets right. I've, yeah, I've mentioned before on the on the show that I say that to my son when he's going to bed. Right? What? I go. I uh, I tell him. I say. Uh, Sammy, sleep with one eye open, clutching your pillow tight. Enter night, exit light. And and my wife says, stop saying that to him. I have I ever told you that when I was in when I was in high school, we I took this class where you it was like a film and video class, and our final project, in addition to watching a bunch of great movies like Ferris Bueller, uh, we mm-hmm. got to do a final project where we got to make a music video. Based on like Based we pick on a some scene random from song, Ferris yeah, yeah. So we, you take some song, you got to make a music video. I swear I've told this story in the podcast before, but I don't care. You will hear it again. Uh, and the best, and they, uh, you know, after we were working on our projects a little bit, the teacher showed us some of the best examples of videos from the years before us. Of course, these were all from like the late '80s. So there was a ton of like awesome hair metal mm-hmm. videos, like uh, Skid Row's "I'll Remember You" with like a couple like hanging out by a lake. <laughs> Is that but the one this, that goes? I will remember you. Uh, It's a little bit like it. And, but there was one music video where these dudes made a video called uh, for Metallica Seek and Destroy. Oh, I love that. And uh, they got one like super buff dude to be like a a cop. And the idea is that he's like, (laughs) kids were being real assholes. And this cop like decided to like take the law into his own hands. So he had a scene of him like taking his badge off and ripping his cop uniform off. And then he (laughs) like. He sure wasn't a stripper. (laughs) It might have. I I mean, he's a high school kid. He might also be a stripper like in summer school. And then there. So there's the, the video ends with him. Uh, tracking the kids down, the punks down at the top of a uh, parking garage and picking a kid up and <laughs> throwing him off the top <laughs> of the parking garage. And they use this like really hilarious dummy for it, but the yeah. effects were so good. It's still my favorite movie I've ever seen. <laughs> Long story short. It reminds me of a complaint that an old coworker of mine had where he would be, he would volunteer to be a judge for his alma mater's student film program. And he, he was, and I remember walking in on him wa- watching some of these and he was like, it's uh, like, why? When will these students stop making movies about mobsters? I can't take serious a movie where someone goes to borrow money from a nineteen-year-old gangster because <laughs> they were just college students playing all the parts. So you'd have like oh, that's he'd be the top kingpin of the city, but he's clearly like a sophomore. Mm-hmm. I like this new anecdote-based direction this podcast is headed. Yeah, because well, what if we normally watch bad movies and we talk about? We watch bad movies and we talk about. That was what well, we're, we're talking to. about. Movies that we we really like, like the the like Seek this and Destroy video. video. <laughs> Which, <laughs> I, I hope somebody put this on YouTube. Uh, I would only assume the notorious litigious Metallica would have forced them to <laughs> take it down. Metallica's pretty cool about their <laughs> fan base just doing whatever. Uh, but if uh, if my teacher, whose name I don't remember. 
can put this put that video up on YouTube. I will watch it's it. It's amazing how I'll give you some clicks, buddy. It's amazing how like I remember the great Napster Napster Metallica hunt when like my brother had his Napster account shut down because he was one of the millions of people who downloaded Metallica songs, and now all that stuff is available on YouTube in like multiple many videos. And it's like at a certain point, everyone just threw up their hands and were like, whatever, I don't know. But also like I have purchased so many Metallica albums now because I first listened to them in full on YouTube when I was getting back yeah, into metal. Yeah, we get it. Information wants to be free. You no, know, but then I buy mm-hmm. them afterwards. So they're making moolah off mm-hmm. of it. That's how they can afford all the... How, yeah, uh, we how, get <laughs> it. You have money to buy it's albums. How, it's how... Uh, it's how Kirk Uncle Pennybags over here. It's how here. Kirk can afford is all that, those custom mummy uncle? poster guitars. <laughs> is that the uh, is that the uncle, the guy from Monopoly, the Monopoly yeah, board? Uncle Pennybags. Uncle Pennybags, yeah. Wait, now, that's his... Wait, that's, that's the guy his, or that's, that's the uncle of the guy? No, that's oh, that's the, that's the guy on... That's the Monopoly man. I don't know whether that means... If you're playing Monopoly, he's your uncle. I think so. I think that's the implication. Okay, yeah. you're the nephew of rich Uncle Pennybags. Mm-hmm. Now, Dan, and he's pitted all of his uh, his progeny against each other in this game to the death. Oh yeah, well he's <laughs> like arcade from the X Men. It's just a game he plays to, until the last one's alive. Do they win anything? Like a tontine? Yeah, tauntaun. They just ride it around on Hoth. <laughs> and then you slid it open and sleep in it, and you thought it smelled bad on the outside. Dan, you said this was the happiest time of the year. Why is that? Oh, that's right, because it's the time that St. Nicholas Cage comes down from, uh, I don't German know. German castle? Yeah, from Valhalla. <laughs> he, he floats in from New Orleans, and <laughs> he bestows upon us uh, the gift of his... Uh, Presence? Beneficent... Uh, uh, per, uh, performances. Yeah, you got there. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So let's make one thing. So every year we celebrate Cagemas. Well, really twice a year because there's Cagemas in July. Mm-hmm. Let's make one thing clear. And I feel like we've talked about this a lot on the podcast, yeah. but we should always reiterate it. This is not an ironic appreciation of Nicolas Cage. Yeah, we're not making one of those shirts that has a bunch of faces of Nicolas Cage on it. That you can wear to your fucking Williamsburg bar, you hipster shit. I, I think I you have one asshole of those. <laughs> with your with your Hanksy graffiti, with your celebrity puns, you piece of garbage. Mm-hmm. You know what? Bring a garbage bag to throw this piece of shit in and dump it in the ocean. <laughs> yeah, why don't you climb on top of your giant wheeled velocipede and ride off into a toxic waste spill so hey, you can like become that. a toxic. <laughs> hey, that, no, no deposit line. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was, I was trying to remember what it was. <laughs> bring a bring a bring a stretcher, a stretcher for, for this, this good, good man. man. <laughs> bring some garbage bags for these pieces of shit. Uh, no deposit. What a great, terrible movie. Uh, look, we are not waxing our handlebar mustaches and playing. With with our suspender braces while we drink our old, you know, 19th century cocktails or nothing about Nicolas Cage. We're not drinking one of those Adrian Grenier beers that you need a church key to get inside. Yeah. Well, one thing, use that to get into a church and save your soul, dude, because Mm -hmm. it's time for you to pray for forgiveness from Lord Cage. Because Nicolas Cage, as we all agree, I think, in this room, is a genuinely great actor. Yeah. Like one of the greatest actors, and he has been unfairly maligned by the Aronicizers— Mm-hmm. I was, that made it sound like I was talking about the nation of Iran. I was talking about ironic and irony. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, no, no, it's good. You were uh, you know, just prejudiced against the Middle Eastern people. Uh, uh, Dan, well, that's kind of racist to say Middle Eastern people when Iranians are Persian. Many of the other countries are 
Arab, and there are other ethnicities too. To lump them all together as Middle Eastern people is astoundingly ignorant. He's got you there, dude. Hoisted by your own petard. You're right. Mm -hmm. Hey, look, it's Jean-Luc Petard over here. In the tradition of Jesse uh, Thorne and Jordan Jesse Go, I ask that you tweet all of your complaints to at Ted Cruz. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in the tradition of Jesse Pinkman, uh, you're a meth dealer now. Anyway, so Dan, let's, so we'll make it clear. Nicolas Cage, we love him. We actually like watching him. And today, as we always do, we watch a Nicolas Cage movie, right? Yeah. Hoping against hope that he would bring us a performance with that rare combination of that elan that he can bring manic energy, but realistic emotion and outsized style that is the hallmark of the great Nicolas Cage performance. Yeah, we all remember the first time our hearts were stuck, Olin. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Good, good stuff. Nice. When uh, when we couldn't wait to see the next Nicolas Cage movie. Uh, when we <laughs> left Las Vegas because we were moonstruck by how he's we were gonna, honeymooned in Vegas. <laughs> he's got that Bangkok dangerous edge to him. Uh, kind of. I mean, we're now we're scraping the, the Sorcerer's of the Apprentice <laughs> with a side of... Mm-hmm. Z- Zarily, what was that movie called? Zandily. Zandily. With Judge Reinhold. That was the name of the movie, Zandily with Judge Reinhold? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, uh, Nicolas Cage has made a number of movies set in Las Vegas now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This one that we watch today is set in Las Vegas. There's Leaving Las Vegas, there's Honeymoon in Vegas, there's Con Air, which is yeah. around Las Vegas. Yep. What other Vegas movies are there? I don't know, but it's... it's uh, Not be, stolen, that was probably Lula. Vegas and New Orleans are his uh, haunts. I'm guessing he is in the, the, the background of some scenes of episodes of NBC's Las Vegas, mm-hmm. featuring a title character named Danny McCoy. Coincidence? A title character? So his name is Las Vegas in the show? <laughs> Danny Las Vegas McCoy. <laughs> I mean, I, I said it pretty clearly. <laughs> and I think he was probably in Six String Samurai, where they go to Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this movie, what do we what do we watch today? I, we watched ti- a movie called The Trust. The title is so the generic, most... I keep forgetting. And it has nothing to do with the movie. No. Is it about it's like managing about, a trust? Yes, yeah. it's about Nicholas Cage. This is a rich, is a rich boy. <laughs> he puts on. <laughs> living if off. If I his, were a rich boy, deedle 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 That was the goyest <laughs> way that song could be sang by both of you. Uh, yeah, he's he plays a little <laughs> a little rich boy who is not going to get any money until he turns twenty five, and he just can't wait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Nicholas Cage is playing a younger than 25 year old in this it's a real Martin great. Short in Clifford type <laughs> performance so uh, Oscar worthy <laughs> uh, oh I remember seeing Clifford in the theater where I snuck liter bottles of jolt in my uh, jolt <laughs> cola in the cargo pockets of my shorts for some reason I thought you were going to say where I snuck my fingers inside the vagina oh, <laughs> oh my god Damn. Dude. Dan. Oh man. Wait, I was Dan. like I was like 14. Well, yeah, well, I was 14. Dan. All right, I'm not sorry. Not okay. You should be sorry. I want you to apologize to everybody. I apologize to everyone. Uh those with vaginas, those without vaginas. Oh, you're digging a deeper hole. Just oh, apologize in general and move on. <laughs> I can't. Now it's in my head. <laughs> what, just vaginas? Yeah, just in general. Okay, we well, gotta move on. We gotta get this. We gotta get so, this train back on the so, track. So this is a movie trust. that does open with nudity, which 
is rare for a Flophouse movie. Yeah, late, well, I mean, if you're watching Nine Lives, which is a family film about a cat, it's not going to have nudity in that it. That cat was it. naked the whole time. Okay, I don't know good point. The cat about. is totally nude the whole time. Yeah, and I guess a lot of a lot of movies we watch are either family films or like studio. A lot of PG-13s. Yeah. We don't watch a lot of hard R's, and we certainly don't watch a lot of X-rated movies. Dan, I've put the note in the complaint box and the suggestion box for the Flophouse Industries. Then maybe we add more X-rated movies. Then maybe we just watch more X-rated movies. You know, that's where the real stories are being told. There was the time that we did consider, seriously for a moment, watching the Great Bikini Off-Road Adventure. For sentimental value. For sentimental value. But then we thought, no, it probably wouldn't make for a great podcast. No, we're not really going into that assuming maybe this could be a good movie. Yeah. Uh, a movie I've recommended a couple times on this podcast. <laughs> Good point. So the trust. We are in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Nicholas Cage and Elijah Wood both work for the evidence collection and protection arm of the Las Vegas PD or LVPD. Which mm-hmm. what is that in Roman numerals? What does that mean? Uh, is that like fifty-five PD? Yeah, that's right. Uh, so now I imagine. Being in Las Vegas, those guys probably have some really wacky stories to tell. Oh, sure. Well, everyone in Las Vegas has a crazy story to tell. Like, I'm surprised that the evidence collection room isn't filled with, like, tigers and (laughs) showgirls Uh and Gina Gershon. And Ed Helms (laughs) with a tattoo on his face in the evidence collection room. So he got that tattoo when they were in Hong Kong or something. Uh, he gets tattoos all over. Hong Kong fooey. We're talking about Las Vegas in the trust. Now... They are not happy with their jobs. Elijah Wood just drifts through life in a haze of drugs and one sex scene. He doesn't really seem to be that into it. Nicolas Cage, on the other hand, is supporting both himself and his elderly father, Jerry Lewis, in a very surprising role in that you don't really need Jerry Lewis to play the role. There's nothing no. about it that's per- that gives Jerry Lewis a time to shine. It's not even Yeah, it's not a meaty role. Uh, and I, but I was surprised to learn that Jerry Lewis in the, in the movie is a, a 90-year-old man. He seems uh, pretty spry for 90. Kind of. I mean, he seems addled and confused the whole movie. (laughs) (laughs) Like, if, yeah, I mean, he showed up and opened his eyes and said his lines. Do you think he was hoping for, like, a new, uh, like, a new springtime of his career? Like, like, Louis Anderson's experience? This is my, this is my (laughs) baskets. This is my Bill Murray and Rushmore. Finally, I just gotta be in an indie film, and then suddenly Jerry Lewis will be back on top. And then I can do that Cinderfella reboot that I've been so excited about. (laughs) (laughs) It's a a gritty Cinderfella where he works with the internet. Uh, wait, is that where there's a guy who's Cinderella? Yeah, uh, I think that you can deduce that from the title of the film. <laughs> that's the whole. Th- that's, that's the whole thing. Well, it's about it's a remake of the movie Goodfellas, but they're guys instead of gangsters. They're guys who collect cinders and clean out mm-hmm. fireplaces and chimneys. Okay, mm-hmm. literally cinder fellows. Yeah, and it's like it starts out with Jerry Lewis playing himself as a kid, much as we were saying Nicholas Cage does, and he goes, he's like. Ever since I was a kid, I wanted to clean chimneys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's hanging out at the local chimney parlor, they, and uh, the police catch him for cleaning chimneys without a license, and he doesn't talk, and they're really proud of him. So they give him a carton of brooms that they can use to sweep out okay. chimneys. Uh, one chim chim tree later, he's hopped up on cocaine, cooking meatballs and hallucinating helicopters. Debbie Mazar's there, and then yeah. it's off to the suburbs. Cinder fellas. Rated R. Anyway, so back to this movie. That's a pretty good summary of Goodfellas. <laughs> Thank you. I've seen it. Uh, so they go. So Nicholas Cage and Elijah Wood. They feel like 
they are not really being made the most of in their roles. They're not respected by the policemen. Nobody listens to them, and everyone's making fun of them. But Nicolas Cage notices something a little strange mm-hmm. in a file on a perp. Yeah, a this, seemingly what would you this say? This normal perp uh, is bailed now, out. Now, perp is short for purple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this, it went because when you commit a crime. Your hands turn purple. That's why yeah. they fingerprint you. They yeah. give you a copy of that Stone Temple Pilots record, purple. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So this normal it's a purple, huge hit. <laughs> enormous, is uh. Has Remember been... when everyone was piloting Stone Temples? <laughs> How why why don't people do that anymore? <laughs> this perp has been bailed out for uh, two hundred thousand dollars in cash, and Nicolas Cage is like, hmm, that's strange. I'm Nicholas Cage. That that's that sparks something oh, in my so brain. I, I, mm-hmm. Does this seem suspicious to you that there's two hundred thousand dollars with deep pockets? I don't know where you get two hundred thousand dollars in cash. The ATM will only let me take out like yeah, eight hundred I mean, bucks in a day, and I, I have to go know. to a bunch of different ATMs to even do I mean, that. I don't I don't know what what I'm supposed to do, and I'm now I'm Jimmy Stewart, and I'm also noticing something oh, strange. Oh, wow, about they this got file. Jimmy Stewart as well as. I've got a giant rabbit as a friend. That's crazy. You can't even see him. That's crazy. I'm Tom Brokaw. Oh, wow. The only thing stranger than this file is a little book called Dune. (laughs) (laughs) It's the story of intergalactic political shenanigans and what, fight for what the a good most summary. powerful resource in the galaxy. <laughs> the shenanigans I think is overlooked usually when people talk about Dune. But Paul Atreides, yeah, son really. of Duke Leto, <laughs> finds himself on Dune one cocaine ride later and he's making meatballs, hallucinating <laughs> helicopters and living out in the Arrakis suburbs mm-hmm. in the Freeman Witness Protection <laughs> Program. So. It's called, I call it Dune Fellas, yep. and I hope that you're interested in producing. So, Nicholas Cage. I'll direct and star. <laughs> wow. It's called Tom Brokaw's Mary Shelley's Frank Herbert's Dune Fellas. Mm-hmm. Nicholas Cage starts uh, staking out this guy uh, to try and figure out. You what's know, going on here? What's going on? How does this guy have access to this much money? Yeah, you got to put peepers on the perp. And he's there's, doing it with uh, the help of his friend Ewood, Elijah Wood. Mm-hmm. And now and there's a big montage of Nicolas Cage having a ball, uh, <laughs> he, being undercover. Oh, God, uh, he takes a bunch of vacation days to go undercover, working at the same place at the same casino that this drug dealer also works mm-hmm. as a waiter, and he is having the time of his life. And it is like. You see a sort of charisma with Nicolas Cage here that we've missed in a bunch of movies. And let me just say this right off the bat. The first half to two-thirds of this movie was like was a lot better than I expected it to be, where he is discovering this case, and he starts investigating it with Elijah Wood. And Elijah Wood and Nicolas Cage have fantastic chemistry together. They're both kind of weird guys, but they're weird in different ways. Mm-hmm. And Elijah Wood... Nicholas Cage is his high energy, Nicholas Cage weird. But not super high energy. Not super high energy. He's like higher than normal energy. You never quite know what he's going to say. Elijah Wood is kind of like... He's a little bit haunted, maybe. Yeah, it's like he is, he is seeing things that nobody else is seeing around them. And, uh, and, so you ha- and he reacts in a weird way. He's always a little bit weirded out by whatever Nicholas Cage is doing. And they have this great dynamic energy together. And like, I wish... There was a big budget movie that had room for Nicolas Cage and Elijah Wood to be in it together. Because, like, I would watch 10 movies starring these guys together. Like, they could easily be a, you know, a serious Abbott and Costello. 
who make movies right. together. Or this would be like a good like limited series, like yeah, like yeah, a, an eight episode like series. a night manager. Yeah, with these two uh, bouncing yeah. off each other. I mean, a better plot than this movie, probably. But uh, I mean, if you stretch this, mo- I mean, the movie, <laughs> the movie was a stretch even at ninety, a 90 minutes. minute film, and uh, and even that felt like you were pulling taffy <laughs> to, to get to get to the full length. Eighty minutes, I think, would have been a, a nice, a handsome length for this film. But like, I would love to see it like a miniseries that's more complicated than this, but it has Nicolas Cage and Elijah Wood as the leads. So Hollywood, do it up. And Nicolas Cage is able to bring a certain energy that's almost like. Like an office dad who is on vacation for the first time in a long time is like away from his family and is like, yeah, kind of loving it. Nicholas Cage strikes me these days as being like similar in that way. The dad of a friend of yours who you are sleeping over at his house for the first time. And his mm-hmm. dad seems like a cool, nice guy, but kind of weird. Then his balls fall out of his shorts, <laughs> and you're like, whoa, should I say something, or do I have to keep looking <laughs> at him? Because those are things of the size of bowling balls. Does he have elephantiasis? He's got to go to the doctor. <laughs> you got to okay. get sir, that I, sir. <laughs> sir. 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 Friend's dad, I apologize for calling attention to when him. you guys, but thank you, gotta, you for the Funyuns. <laughs> I got to go. <laughs> I appreciate the za. When you guys were in school, testicularly, and you <laughs> testicularly had, yours, me, and you had to spend time in the library, had you, you wanted to, but like when you spent, hey, yeah, thanks for yeah, reading is the, fundamental. Barbara Bush said that. So uh-huh. when you spent time in the library, you guys looked up pictures of dudes with elephantiasis, right? Not the really. Test- no, that was like the first thing we did. There was one time. I mean, I looked in photography books for naked ladies. Is that kind of? But it's not like you're not laughing at human misery. No, I'm not doing that. There was one time when I remember using going to my high school library to use the computer for research something, probably some amazing topic like elephants or I don't know a president or something. Mm-hmm. And the screen pressing a button so the screensaver would go off, and someone had just opened page after page of really gory like crime scene photos accident photos and i was like this was not something i was ready for at the moment more because less because of what was in the photos and more because like who was just sitting at a public computer in the library in the middle of the day looking up these pictures but now looking back it was probably like two teens were egging each other on you know like like oh whoa gross uh." Like, whereas in my head, I immediately went to there being like, there's a serial killer who goes to the school (laughs) and he needed a midday fix. Or you have like a brick-like detective who's solving a crime. Brick-like in the movie Brick. Not just like a detective that's like a brick. Not not a detective who is a brick. He's compacted into a... He's a a brick with a badge. (laughs) Hey. (laughs) Hey. He smashes crime. (laughs) He goes, he always jumps through the window. That's how he gets to places. Sure. Uh, What's, what was the crime? Mortar one. <laughs> That's terrible. Because <laughs> he's a brick. Yeah, no. The when you were talking about uh, the idea of a bunch of college kids playing all the parts, uh, that's the first thing I thought of was brick. <laughs> but I was that like, takes, well, brick was pretty great. <laughs> but that takes place at a high school. No, I know. That is a great movie. Um, anywho, so we were saying. stop trying to get on Ryan Johnson's good side. I know that Star Wars Episode Eight uh, title to be determined. Uh, <laughs> That's the title? Yeah, it's crazy, right? <laughs> uh, Attack of the TVD. Yeah. Uh, I know you're trying to get on his good side and try and get him on as a guest on this podcast. I mean, I've been trying to get um, on his good side for a long time. He's someone I've mm-hmm. wanted to meet for a long I've loved all of his movies. Yeah, like I was talking shit about Brothers Bloom because it isn't very good, but you were like super defending it. I mean, I like, like Brothers Bloom a lot. 
Yeah, and I'm like, that yeah, doesn't like make Brothers sense because it's too. not a very good movie. And you guys were both like, oh, anything to get Ryan Johnson on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's I don't right. love the narration of it. I think that's a little too twee as much as I love Ricky Jay, who does the narration in that, right? But I think it's a good movie. I like it, brother. Come on, Ryan Johnson, come on the podcast and tell Stuart he's wrong about yeah, Brothers Blue. Come on, Ryan Johnson. <laughs> I know you've been on film spotting. What, what do they got that we don't Look, got? I know you like Looper, and it's tie-in merchandise, Fruit Looper. That's when... <laughs> that's when <laughs> Toucan Sam had to go back and kill himself. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we if watched Tony to... the Tiger's arms and legs disappear. <laughs> this isn't great. <laughs> Fruit yeah. Looper is like, it's like, if you, you want to murder yourself, just follow my nose. <laughs> you, like, you like the Mad Magazine parody, Pooper. <laughs> Sure, I love Damn, that. We're better than that. Come on. <laughs> I don't think we are. No, we we were doing a great match. I hadn't is even that, got to the point where, where they were you... talking about that one that one, that one assassin who's cuckoo for cocoa puffs. No one wants to work with him. Mm. Mm. Yeah, but what happens next? I forget. Where were we in the movie? So we weren't very far. So they're so they've just they've figured out that he uh, Nicholas Cage says to Elijah Wood, "Hey, there's this weird thing. We got to figure it out." It becomes pretty clear to Elijah Wood. Wait, are you trying to find out where this guy is getting his money from so that you can rob him? And Nicholas Cage is like, no, no, that's not, come on, that's not, I'm just, it's a weird case, we gotta look into it. It's just a mental exercise. Oh, it's, I'm just trying to keep my mind sharp as a senior. He's <laughs> like, I play, like a Sudoku. I do a lot of <laughs> word games, a lot of Sudoku. It's just all about, like, keeping yourself busy, because it's the unused, it's like a knife blade. You gotta keep sharpening it. The unused mind, that's what gets dull and blunt. So, anyway, I've been taking a salsa class. I just <laughs> <laughs> gotta keep busy in your retirement. That's what's it's not what you think of. We make salsa. We make, yeah, it's not a dancing class. We make we make salsa. You'd be surprised. The main components are just tomato, <laughs> onions, and chili. But I gotta tell you, it's opened my eyes to how the same simple components can be arranged in so many different ways mm-hmm. to make so many different combinations. So, so there's the salsa class. That's Monday Sounds nights. like you're confusing metaphor with real life when you say you keep the <laughs> knife blade sharp, meaning your mind, but you're also keeping the knife blade sharp for your salsa. That's a good point because you're not going to be able to cut through the tomato unless your knife is sharp. You want one of those Ginsu knives that can cut both the tomato and the can and the shoe because what if you want to make a salsa with a shoe in it or a salsa with a can in it? You can do that. Salsa, it just means I sauce. Call it, goat it, just, salsa. it just means sauce. So you can do anything in it. You just put anything in it. Did you know that? All salsa this time, means sauce? All this time I thought salsa, it's like sopa means soup. I thought they were serving me soap. That's why I never <laughs> ordered it on the menu. Because yeah. I don't want soap. That's not something you eat. It's something you wash no. with. So I was like, why? And I go into this restaurant. I'm not going to order something to wash with. Do they have a shower <laughs> in the back? Because I didn't see it when I used the, the restroom or the banyo, like as the, they would call it. And so, It's the fucking Nicolas Cage monologue. <laughs> <over here. laughs> so, I, so I guess what I'm saying is, you're always learning something new in this yeah. life, and that's how you stay eternally young, uh-huh. forever young, like Mel Gibson in that movie. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you freeze yourself. Is that some the one kind where of his face got all, no, all burned up? No, well, I think it's you're called probably thinking Mr. of Mr. Melty Face. You're probably thinking of Mr. Melty Face, <laughs> which was a sequel to The Man Without a Face, where he gets a surgery to have a face, and unfortunately they give him a melty face, and he changes his name to Mr. Melty Face to kind of own it. And sure. we were really inspired by that when we made Face Off, because. Uh-huh. Uh, I thought about how Mel Gibson would probably want to take that face off. And I yeah. went to my friend John Wu, or as I call him, Johnny Wu, and I said, well, I think there's a real movie in here about a guy who takes his face off. And John says, this is what makes him a genius. What if he put the face on somebody else's face? <laughs> that's, and I was like, that's an Before amazing that, you idea. Before that, you were just going to take it off and like put it on like in like a bowl? 
Yeah, somewhere. yeah, yeah. yeah just would it like make crazy. an art, an object to art out of it? Because what if that bull started committing crimes? <laughs> and then it's like my face is committing these crimes and on the bull, yeah. and I don't know what people to do are going to be like. Hey, there's Nicolas Cage over there, and you're like, that's just a bowl with my face I'm like, on. No, it. no, that's just my face. Look at me. It's hard to look at me because my I don't wife have a is face. confused. Is that my husband or a bowl with a face yeah. on it? And you got to bring in Brick Detective because it takes an inanimate object to catch <laughs> an inanimate detective. object. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so uh, they start working together, and they realize that he is involved with some kind of criminal laundromat. You did that so long, it's weird to hear your normal voice. <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah, it feels weird to talk in this way. <laughs> And imagine if I just kept talking like that and I go home, I walk in, it's late because we record this late at night. Mm-hmm. My wife is asleep. Thanks for, you want to paint the rest of the picture? We're in Dan's apartment. Uh-huh. It's a little dim, uh-huh. kind of a sexy way. Yeah. In fact, Dan, turn on that saxophone music <clears throat> over there. Well, that's oh, wait, just, Baker Street? It's just Jerry Rafferty. <laughs> that's, not, that's not sexy. It speaks to me of regrets. Who's, who says? <laughs> All right. Who says? I mean, uh, but it makes me think of like wet pavement underneath a street light. No, yeah. when, when Dan's sexier than that, the only point. The only sexier saxophone is that shirtless guy in the Lost Boys who plays a uh, saxophone on the beach. <laughs> right, let me out the only other saxophone thing that anyone knows. <laughs> <laughs> that's way sexier. Oh, see, that's sexier. Yeah. All right. So anyway, I walk, I'm going to walk in. And I'm going to say to my wife, she's going to be half half asleep. I'm going to say. Honey, I'm back. I'm just going to get him to bed. And she would be so scared. <laughs> yep. She'd have no idea who was talking to her. No, oh, no, this is just how I talk now. She wouldn't she immediately stabs recognize with that it. knife that she keeps underneath her pillow. Yeah, her bed knife. <laughs> yeah, well, that's just where the knife fairy can come and bring her a nickel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you think do you think the police academy's Michael Winslow ever has that kind of trouble where he gets into bed and he has a drop character and he's like, "Is a helicopter getting in bed with me? <laughs> How many bleeps and creeps are getting in here?" Well, that was Michael Winslow bleeps did that part, creeps. was it? Mm-hmm. He did do that part. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, so Elijah Wood and Nicolas Cage find that it's all this. There's some some laundromat that has a or a, has meat freezer place. There's some place that things are being criminal <laughs> stuff is being delivered yeah. to, and it, they recently Elijah Wood. Everything bri- goes in, nothing goes out. Like the Roach Motel, and yeah. Elijah Wood has bribed his way into finding blueprints for the place that show they call they, those bloops. Blue. <laughs> In the biz. Uh, he gets some bloops and practical jokes. He finds that they've recently installed an enormous vault. So they're mm, hiding something a vault good. of horror. And the only way to get in is for them to buy a special diamond-tipped drill from Germany. And to get the money to do that, uh, Elijah Wood has to go with a, with a dirty cop played by— Ethan Supley. Ethan Supley uh, to from, shake down uh, a— From Butterfly Effect, right? Mm-hmm. My name is Earl. My name is Earl. Multiple, I mean, rats. I think Butterfly Effect was what put him on the map. Yeah, that's right. I guess so. I remember when Supley Mania swept the What was great about that is that it gave him an opportunity to play that character in a bunch of different outfits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, weird thing There's is, like a goth version. So I heard I was going to make a movie with Supley, and I was like, that sounds delicious. I love soup. And it turns out it was a guy. So like, Sopa means soup. It's not soap, but Supley is not soup. It's the guy. Yeah. It's like, I can't. It's like you're always learning new things. You can't take anything for granted in this. So I guess that's how you stay young, right, Nick? I, yeah, it's how you really stay, keep your mind fresh. I guess the only cage is the one you build around your mind. So, do you think Jerry? J- just wondering, Jerry Lewis. Do you think he did the movie just so he could meet Frodo Baggins? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, I assume Jerry. Why Lewis did you is change huge... voices? You ruined the illusion. <laughs> I assume Jerry Lewis is a huge Lord of the Rings <laughs> fan. 
<laughs> I can just I can actually just imagine Jerry Lewis uh, and Lord of the Rings being like, "What is this bullshit?" <laughs> <laughs> I don't have time for the, like there's I mean, short essentially, people essentially my short dad's people reaction. in a ring. That's <laughs> you can't make a movie about short people who got to dispose of a ring. <laughs> they can just want to just throw the Roman ring in the trash. Just give it to Jerry Lewis is like just give it to Tom Bombadil. <laughs> and they're like, no, Jerry, we got to explain to you why that's not why you can't really do that. He's he's so absent minded. will just nice habits. Yeah. Neither of us is doing great, Jerry Lewis. No, we're not. That was Jackie Gleason you were just doing. <laughs> mm, that's good hobbits. That's Jackie Gleason. That's Johnny Carson doing Jackie Gleason. Yeah. All right. This is not a rich vein. It's we a can- rich little. Anyway, moving on because they're impressions. Uh, they decide they're going to bust into this uh, into this vault, but they're both doing things that are compromising them ethically and morally. Yeah. Uh, Bustin. Doesn't necessarily make them feel good. <laughs> Elijah Wood is shaking down uh, another drug area for money. Nicholas Cage buys some illegal guns and then just shoots and kills the gun dealer. That's kind of when we see a, a turn. In, yeah, in up until yeah. this okay. point, you're like, this is a lighthearted caper where there's And a very enjoyable one. I'll just say, <clears throat> a very enjoyable one. Offbeat characters are going to rip off some criminals, and because they're— Robbing criminals, you don't feel too bad about it's like it. A, almost rooting, like a faceless criminal enterprise. And yeah. we're rooting for them because they're kind of doofs. Like Nicolas yeah. Cage yeah. is not slick. He's not cool. He's just kind of a doof. But at the moment he kills that gun dealer, you're like, wait. And we're a starting minute. to get the impression that that some of Nicolas Cage's weirdness is could be an act. Well, yeah, like, he's an yeah. actor. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, you got me there. You, you know, he wasn't, right. Right. He wasn't really robbing a place, right? It was a movie. This wait, so it wasn't just a camera crew following him around. No, no, this like wasn't like, like a man bites dog situation. We, I'm glad we're both our minds went to man bites dog. <laughs> yeah, not any of the, any number of real documentaries about people being <laughs> followed by camera crews. Yeah. Uh, so, but like, there's some great little moments, like when there's a confusion as to who picked up the van and Elijah Woods freaking out because he's like, I thought you were supposed to pick we're up the van. We're supposed to do this tomorrow and you didn't pick up the and van. Nicholas Cage show, reveals that he was he was messing around all along. It's just that a, it's just a classic just case jokes. Just, just a free heist joke. Joke. Just jokes. <laughs> <laughs> and so Nicholas Cage is seeming less on the ball, the character, as we mm-hmm. go forward. And Elijah Wood is getting a little creeped out, but he's still drawn to doing it. And, and so, it's coupled with Elijah Wood's performance up to this point the whole time is a little bit like he he's acting like he's on fucking LSD the whole time and seeing things that nobody else is seeing a little bit. Like he, yeah. like he, like like Doctor Gonzo was waiting off off screen to be <laughs> like, "Hey, dude, let's go do this thing." Uh, so they go to perform this heist, which involves them. Going to the building where the vault is, breaking into, or I guess getting into the apartment above it and drilling down through the top of the vault. Now, there's two people in that apartment, an older guy and a woman, and things go bad almost instantly in that Elijah Wood goes out to get something, and when he comes back, he finds Nicolas Cage has killed the man. Yeah, the man spit on Nicolas Cage. We see this, and... uh, Elijah Wood comes back in and Nicolas Cage is like, did you hear anything? And we know immediately Nicolas Cage has shot the guy and is testing to see whether Elijah Wood heard him shoot him with the silencer. And Nicolas Cage, rather than being like, oh, he spit on me, so I shot him. Like He's like, oh, he tried to escape. Yeah. And 
things get from go from tense to tenser as they try to break into this vault. They got to drill through a floor. The woman is not happy that they're there and killed someone she shares an apartment with. Mm-hmm. And so that's tense. And things are just not as friendly between Elijah Wood and Nicolas Cage. It's a tense situation, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got to have a foundation built on communication, trust, and respect. And it is so hard for me not to start singing the Megadeth song Trust, which Stuart yep. and I sang a couple times while mm-hmm. we were watching the movie. Oh, cryptic writings. Uh, and so things are a little tense between them. And long story short, they get into the vault, and it turned. There's a yeah, long they pull sequence. A real bank job on it. There's a long sequence of them cracking the safe with looking like at the tumblers, beast. and yeah, it goes on forever. It's a pretty. I mean, you were losing interest, but I would say it's a pretty suspenseful little sequence. It's, I, okay. I like if you're if you were if you were not watching it with the three of us, the three of us, the two of us. The three total. So if I, so if I was ones. watching it just as a disembodied <clears throat> soul, yeah. without me or you guys. Exactly. <laughs> if you were on the astral plane watching it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Stephen Strange just pulled me out of my body so we could watch The Trust together. Yeah, and you could focus on it more. I think you would have uh, enjoyed Maybe. it more. I will admit why that, he goes into the astral plane, so he can focus on movies better. <laughs> yeah. That's So I will admit that in heist movies... The actual heist is usually my least favorite part of the movie. Mm. I love seeing them planning and bringing the team together. Yeah, you love seeing when they bring a team together where they're like, I guess we're going to go to the Savage Land and get this dinosaur cowboy. <laughs> we need the best damn dinosaur cowboy to go line this heist. You know it. Uh, <laughs> that's my favorite part. But like, it's the the, the movie Sexy Let's Beast. Let's go to Mar- Mars and find the, this moon man. <laughs> this, our heist needs a dinosaur cowboy, this a moon, moon man, man gambler, a mermaid who's also a cop, and yeah. we need a gazelle that knows how to how to deal blackjack. And mm-hmm. we need three alligators, two of whom are deaf and one of whom is a priest. <laughs> okay. And then we can pull off the greatest heist in the history of heists. But like one of the things I like about Sexy Beast is that the heist takes up almost none of the movie. It's about the it's about the dynamic between these characters, but so so that's just on me that I was yeah. not that interested in the mechanics of the heist once they were playing. That's mainly off. just Ray Winstone hanging out by a pool, right? <laughs> Which is pretty and a boulder yeah. falling down every now and then. Broiling. <laughs> Thank you. With the exception of Rafifi. Yeah. Where there's that 30 minute no dialogue heist sequence, which is actually really cool. But uh anyway, besides all that, so things are going crazy. They get into the safe finally, and what do they find in there? Like white walls. Yeah, it's with, like with they just, walked into a fucking alien space. <laughs> and there was part of me that was like, is this going to turn into a spaceship? Because yeah. I would kind of like that. But no, it's just full of diamonds. It's one of those, It's they're all like panels where you press on them and they open up and there's diamonds and diamonds yeah. and diamonds in there. Lee mm-hmm. press on diamonds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Elizabeth Taylor walked by and said, these have always brought me luck and took her <laughs> earrings off and put them in the vault. <laughs> <laughs> and she did that like 10,000 times. <laughs> because she, they, they, she, they need a lot of luck, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. The th- what what is- stakes is that fucking dude playing cards for when he can just throw those fucking diamonds he in He should there? just take the diamonds and walk off with them, yeah. Yeah, I'm assuming the other people are like, fuck, I fold. <laughs> You've got Elizabeth you Taylor's win automatically. luck diamonds. This place is so lousy with diamonds that Elijah Wood is like, 
uh, okay. Yeah, um, uh, uh, this seems a little more serious than I expected. And uh, he starts thinking, like, Nicolas Cage, you must have known something ahead of time. Like, yeah, this is I too mean, perfect. He, he gets cold feet. Like, that That doesn't, I guess, surprise me in some level when you consider the enormity of the crime. And they that he realizes this is a, if these kinds of diamonds are here in these numbers, this is a more richer, more powerful gang than we realized, and they're not going to just let us walk away with these diamonds. So he starts telling Nick Cage, let's just leave it. Let's not keep any of it. Let's just go. And that leads to an argument, mm-hmm. of course. Yeah, a friendly argument. Just an exchange of words. And a friendly argument which involves Nicolas Cage put it, pointing a gun at Elijah Wood. Yeah. As we've all wanted to do when we've seen those Wilfred commercials. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, just point it at the camera. <laughs> Or wait, the TV, the television, the television. or or my thirty-five millimeter <laughs> camera that I have sitting around. <laughs> you like web- stop taking bad pictures of me. <laughs> uh, long story short, you know, the camera. Add ten pounds, will you? <laughs> I'll fucking, I'll, I'll shoot ten pounds off of you. I'll, I'll add ten pounds of lead. Wow, these wow, bullets that's are what enormous. They said, uh, what they said to RoboCop, they said to Alex Murphy, right? <laughs> that's right. And shoot ten pounds off you. Then they they blasted way more than ten pounds off him. They removed his arms and legs. That is the most absurd beginning to a movie. Oh, <laughs> the first time about? I saw RoboCop, I was so disgusted by that. That whole scene is that, gross. That is well, amazing. They are setting. They're giving you an understanding of what the bad guys are capable of. It's I would consider it genius. I, I mean, it is, but the fact <laughs> it's that it's possibly the best way to open a movie. <laughs> when they blast so his when they blast his limbs, his insane. limbs fly off like he like uh, he's uh, a crash test dummy. Oh, Just I'm I'm sorry you're like a master of physics slash anatomy, (laughs) Elliot. I mean, I love how crazy Paul Verhoeven is, but at the same time, you watch it and you're like, my God, that they've salvaged anything from this man. (laughs) Yeah, that's the wonders of modern science. Yeah. It makes it all the worst. His desire to be a really good cop and dad just kind of holds him together. It makes it all worse when they remove his other arm while he's still incapacitated, when he's in the lab, you know? Mm -hmm. That's why you don't feel that... That's why you're a lot, you kind of forgive him for blowing the dude's dick off later on. Because <laughs> you're like, he knows what that's like. Yeah, he's, hey, he's got a pretty rough He man. who has never had his limbs blown off cast the first stone on he's this one. He's just going to shoot that purple's dick yeah. right off. That, <laughs> I forgot that perp stands are purple. <laughs> and, then that's, and, then, and then that scene in Showgirls when they blast all of Elizabeth Berkeley's limbs off, that was just going too far, too. Yep, yeah, but yeah. when she came back as Lady Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, Lady, the no, Robo Stripper. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Nice um, nice stripping, son. What's your name? <laughs> Berkeley. Berkeley. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the actress's name. <laughs> Wait, so are you Elizabeth, can we take that over again? You, I thought your name was Naomi. It. Take she, it from the top. She's still back. walking. <laughs> What's your nice nice sound nice, speed? Nice stripping, okay. son. What's your name? Jesse Spano. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that's okay. That's, that's at least previous. a character you played. I understand yep. how you'd get you'd be hard to get out of that role since you played it for years on television as part of the TNBC lineup. <laughs> Wow, what an understanding uh, for a second. I guess director. Uh, I guess it's Paul Verhoeven is saying all that. I understand how you played the character for so long on the TNBC lineup mm-hmm. before California Dreams. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what Paul Verhoeven sounds like. <laughs> I assume like that. Yeah, like somebody who loves California Dreams. <laughs> so they were a band. So they were such a talented band. If I did say say in school, was it because they wanted to fall back career in case the music industry did not recognize their genius? Or possibly just like America's love affair with California would have uh, maybe went away. 
would have yeah. went away. away. <laughs> yeah, maybe Just people were, maybe people are tired of like California style, like avocado on everything. Oh, don't get me started on that. Mm-hmm. That's a crime Just against those, burgers. Uh, uh, for a second, I was like, "Are we talking about the trust?" <laughs> for a second, I was like, "Can I actually remember uh, Elizabeth Berkeley's uh, character?" It's in, Naomi, right? Yeah, it's Nomi Malone. Oh, Nomi. No, yeah, she's playing Klaus <laughs> Nomi Malone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's playing the kind of androgynous like, robot man. I was like, can I remember? Then I'm like, of course I can remember. Come on. How many times have you seen that movie? Of course I can remember. Now, what was the name of the show that she, that she stars and in? You're like like oh, 10 beers deep, like, right? It's and like you remember that. like or something. Yeah, or volcano. It's like, oh, God. Avocado. Yeah, it's like Aphrodite or something like that. Yeah. Now, here's mm-hmm. what I don't... I've never seen like a Las Vegas showgirl show. I've never been in Las Vegas. Uh... So that let's show, rectify that right I'm now. In the Vegas let's twice, keep rolling so. the podcast. So it, the show has both like a volcano, dawn of time number, yeah. and also some kind of leather motorcycle. It's the eighties of the future. Yeah, you know, number. What kind of show is this? Is there a story, or it's just random scenes? It's just tableaus. And those are the only two scenes we see, right? So is that the whole show? It's or all is about titillation, dude. Like you, you take your squeeze to the show. You get a little bit worked up watching them uh, volcanoes, and then you head back to your. Room. Yeah, I don't imagine there's uh, a story that links those things. Like, I mean, when I was in Vegas, I saw Penn and Teller. I didn't see like some like. So they take their clothes off, or <laughs> they what? did not. They were not topless. But when I, I was, actually did see Penn and Teller do a show where they took their clothes off. Now that really, I think about it. yeah. They did a bit where they wanted to prove that they weren't hiding anything on their bodies. Uh-huh. So they had a thing in front of them, and they took off all their clothes, and they brought up an elderly couple that was in the audience to go behind the kind of half curtain like that that was covering them from the waist down to test to attest to the fact that they were naked. Mm-hmm. And I just remember Penn saying, you want to check under little Houdini? I'll, let me lift up, lift up little Houdini. You want to check under little Houdini? And my mother, who had taken my brother and my sister and I to see the show, because we'd seen Penn and Teller before. We loved them. Yeah. My mother being like, that's too far. <laughs> she didn't care for the little Houdini line. But your brother David was loving it. Oh, he, he was, was loving lapping it. that He was shit like, up. this is even better than sports. He was like, yum, 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 yum. Mm, so funny. I love naked magic. Anyway, uh, so things tension is at an all-time high between Nicolas Cage and Elijah Wood. They are really <laughs> representing our nation and that they're divided. And so they, Elijah Wood takes pity Blue. on the woman hostage that they have and allows her to call someone because she says she has, what, a child? She has a child, and she's like, I got to call his father and let him know. And Nicholas, and when Nicholas Cage comes back, he's talked to Elijah Wood about how, I already bought the plane tickets for the two of us to go fly off on a beach vacation together. We're best buds now. Yeah. It's, gonna, it's a real George and Lenny relationship in some mm-hmm. ways. And Elijah Wood... Shoots Nicolas Cage Elijah as he's walking not back. Not having in. any of it, he no. does not believe that Nicolas Cage is his friend. Like he believes that Nicolas Cage is going to set him up. Yeah, and, he, and and that there's more to this than meets the eye. That maybe yeah. Nicolas Cage is a transformer, and he shoots him, and Nicolas Cage falls down dead, and he's got the plane tickets in his hand. No. Oh, he was telling the truth the whole time. Elijah Wood. Uh, decides he's going to drive this hostage out into the middle of nowhere and let her go. I mean, until and he's not going to take any of the fucking diamonds. And he puts he's all a real the di- fucking chunk. and he puts all the diamonds back. But hey, it wouldn't have matter if he did take the diamonds anyway, because while he's out in the middle of the highway, his car is surrounded by vans and he's shot to death. And the woman gets out of the stuff that they tied her up in, and it's clear she was part of this gang the whole time. Yeah, no, the yeah the 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 phone number that uh, Elijah Wood had written on his hand to let this woman call for, uh, is the same as the phone number on the back of this van. So the woman has signaled these people 
to uh to come to come stop Elijah Wood. Yeah. And then their belongings are taken by the evidence people. Yep. Of the uh and put away in the very evidence management locker they themselves worked in. Mm-hmm. By yeah. top men, I'd imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Thus, the ironic end mm-hmm. to the trust. So, wait a minute. So, Nicolas Cage got got Elijah Wood a plane ticket. Wouldn't he have to find out a shitload of information Yeah, like about his birthday, him? his travel number, who knows? I mean, at, at... Yeah, he wants to get those miles, right? Yeah, he wants oh, to find sure. out it's whether all about he's miles, like, baby. It's all about miles, double miles, yeah. Does he have that global pass? Does know. he want the kosher meal? Yeah, I guess. You, I so, mean, they're going to the Bahamas. You want the kosher meal when you fly to the Bahamas. So you're saying there's a secret, are they going to Nassau? Yeah, the Nassau Coliseum. They're there. So there's a scene where Nicolas Cage is is at his computer, being like, "Oh, so what's? Hold on. Is he going to want an aisle seat or a window seat? Nobody wants the middle. That would not be out of place in the first two thirds of this movie. <laughs> that's true. That's true. In the first two thirds of this movie, I, I, I should we just go to final judgments? We're going to the final judgments. Uh, is this a good bad movie? A bad bad movie? Or a movie you kind of like? For the first two-thirds, this is a movie I kind of liked. It was Nicolas Cage and Elijah Wood playing like characters who were not so quirky that it was obvious and artificial, but they were bringing their own personal styles to these characters. Yeah. And it was kind of like a—and it was a light heist setup movie. And then when it took a turn into the more intense and serious, it lost me more out of— it just feeling more generic at that point. It wasn't like, oh, I've betrayed. I've I came to love these characters and now they're bad. It was more like, oh, okay, like I've seen this movie before. I haven't necessarily seen a Nicolas Cage, Elijah Wood, goofy guy heist movie before. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that this is a movie that I liked. I wouldn't even say kind of liked. I liked yeah, it. Yeah, I, I genuinely liked the parts that I liked. Uh, I would say, you know what? And they were enough for the whole movie. I agree with Dan. I mean, like the ending of the movie is a little too generic. Like, you know, like I feel bad because I did like the movie. I, I kind of feel bad giving spoilers for it because it's a movie that I kind of feel like if you're into B level thrillers, like very stripped down, silly thrillers, like I could see you actually having an enjoyment of this movie. This is a good sick home from work movie. Yeah. So I feel a little bit bad spoiling it, but at the end, where everyone dies, like I, I kind of feel a little, eh, whatever. You know, they're trying to do like a blood simple neo noir mm-hmm. where it's a downbeat ending. One of your Red Rock Wests. Yeah, but it doesn't. Also starring Nicolas Cage. Yeah, there you go. It doesn't quite gel. I mean, I enjoy the ironic end of the stuff being bagged up. That's fine, although you can kind of see it coming from a mile away, but. Other than that, I had a really good time watching this movie, actually. I so there's some really great little moments in the the early uh, the early scenes of the movie. Like I love the scene where they're having a conversation in that like weird casino diner or something. Yeah. And Elijah Wood's wondering whether or not the guy at the end of the bar is getting a hand job from the woman, and he's like uh, it's hard to tell because he's eating right now, <laughs> which is just a kind of, you know, it's a funny moment. Um, there's and, a part where he's, he's laid out in tape, a layout of the building they're trying to break into. Which is kind of great. I like that scene too. And K- Nicholas Cage is like, well, what's this over here? And he goes, uh, a bee flew in my face while I was doing that part. <laughs> <laughs> That's nothing. <laughs> like that stuff's pretty good. Yeah. The, I'd, I'd like to, if they, if they're really trying to sell the idea that, uh, that, 
Elijah Wood's character has become a little bit too uh, cool. No, <laughs> not, he's not too cool for school. Too cool for stool. It's that he's <laughs> what about <laughs> he stops going to the bathroom. It's just constipated. Yeah, he's just hey, he's all my doctor up. says I'm too How cool about, for stool. No, you're backed cool, up. Too school. Too cool. Too school. Is he he's too, too school, school too for cool. cool. <laughs> That's me. I'm too school for cool. I'll just say it. Yep. Elliot used a time turner to get in extra classes. <laughs> too cool for tool. The rock band. That's fucking insane, dude. What a band. <laughs> <laughs> They're a little bit heavy. They're a little bit melody. He's too cool what for smoothly boat. James Keenan fella. Um, Is his name Maynard? Maynard James Keenan. Oh, like Maynard, Maynard G. G. Krebs. Krebs. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I mean, it's a similar first name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like your name's first name's Daniel, and there's also a Daniel Craig, a Daniel Webster. Wait, wait, Daniel McCoy, like Daniel Tiger? <laughs> the cartoon tiger? <laughs> Are you guys related? <laughs> oh, boy. The, like uh, the book of Daniel? Did you write that? Yeah. That he's become, like, isolated and caught up in his head, and he's jumping at shadows. I don't feel like they didn't really sell that enough for me. Uh, to make him turn on somebody who, at this point, we're supposed to assume is his friend, and who he's and, like, really murder. not not had any reason <clears throat> to doubt up till this point. Like he's the idea that he, I guess he did kill Nicholas. I mean, did kill he, someone. he doubts some of his motivations, but the idea that he hasn't really had a moment of like, dude, you got to stop killing people. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, and there's a great little scene where they're eating sandwiches uh, by the giant drill while they're drill, <laughs> pull, uh, drilling into the building, and he's like. They changed the sandwich. Uh, I approve. <laughs> like there's a lot of the overall plot is nothing special, or unique, but there's a lot of little moments in it yeah. that are genuinely funny. And Nicolas Cage and Elijah would sell those really well. Yeah. There's a part in the beginning. They're, so they're also going, a movie I kind of like. They're at a crime scene, and Nick and Elijah Wood just starts playing what like a like a drum beat on something on a on something he finds there. But yeah. Anyway, yeah, movie we liked. <laughs> And now it's time for letters from listeners. Listeners like you, perhaps. Did you write a letter? Then you might be one of the letters. But probably not. Wait, they'll be one of the letters? <laughs> yeah, they'll be one of the letters. So wait, is this what a flat they, Stanley type situation <laughs> where they folded themselves up into an envelope and mailed themselves to us? Yeah. Is that so that flat Stanley could murder people and they, <laughs> he came out of the envelopes? Oh, it's interesting. I couldn't find a way for the killer to get in except this mail slot. But who could fit through a mail slot? <laughs> Police are on the lookout for a flat Stanley mm-hmm. and F Stanley. <laughs> Subject is flat. And they take them <laughs> and they finally catch him. They do the they do the facing forward mugshot and the profile mugshot, and you can't even see him in the profile mugshot. Yeah, it's great. And they put him in a regular style cage and he just fucking slips right out, bro. Put him mm-hmm. in a regular style Nicholas Cage. <laughs> so I've got to swallow this guy so we can't escape. Uh, whatever you need, officer. I, I li- I'm here to serve you as a citizen. <laughs> it's back to flat land with you, my boy. <laughs> A conceptual <laughs> tell it to Abbott novella. <laughs> you'll be real. You'll be telling bored middle schoolers about different dimensions soon. <laughs> I don't know. My Irish cop is turning into a Swedish chef. <laughs> anyway, the point is, it's time for letters from listeners. Letter time. Letter time. It's letter time with Cage Miss. Silver Bells. Write us letters. We got a letter from a bell. Wow. 
cage was time. Okay. Poorly thought out rhymes, making it up as I go along. <laughs> oh, wait, you don't write these cage down? Cage time. <laughs> Letter slime. That is the end of the song. All right. Well, Stuart and I can stop looking at the <laughs> alcohol by volume on our beers. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's not bad. <laughs> Uh, so the first letter of the night is from AJ, last name withheld, uh, who says, I love your show and I think Dan is fucking handsome. That's clearly just pandering to get yeah. on the show. And it worked, mm-hmm. apparently. You know Dan's... Good job, Applejack. Dan's vulnerability, his horrible vanity. <laughs> I just watched Captain America Civil War again, and man, it made one half as much sense as I remember. How could a movie with so much going for it have a plot this bad? How would you change the Marvel Cinematic Universe if you could? Fewer portal climaxes. What heroes would you dump or add? Any mm-hmm. actors you would switch out? Where in the story would you work in an obligatory blue sky beam? Is Jeff Goldblum <laughs> in there someplace? Why not? Put him in. Peachfully, AJ last name withheld. I would so, love to have Jeff Goldblum in there, but what character would he be right for? A hero? Hmm. A villain? Yeah, that's a good question. It would be a little different visually from the comics, but I would cast him, I think, as the mad thinker. Mm-hmm. Except he's probably part of the Fantastic Four family of characters, and so 20th not Century part of Fox, the MP- M- MCU. not part of the MCU. Um, we almost said MPCU. I know what Stewart's answer is, <laughs> which is when the Marvel characters went to politically correct university. Yeah, yeah, and Jeremy Piven shows them what's up. Stewart says Gambit over everything, but yeah. Gambit just, no, just plaster Gambit all but over anything part of that the happens. X Men family of characters. Well, we can't so call Fox him an inhuman him. now. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I guess there's an like inhuman. smash a crystal in his face and he turns into an inhuman. <laughs> Netterogen mists. Now you're an inhuman. Throw some cards around, dude. Come yeah. on, Remy LeBeau. Uh, I think if the, I would like the Marvel movies to have a greater variety of plot lines and climaxes. I feel like they've established a template. That template worked great a bunch of times. Let's mix it up a little bit. Let's do it a little differently. And fewer portals and blue lights. You want more arcade and Mojoverse and shit, right? Those are all X-Men characters. <laughs> They're all owned by Fox right now. Uh, it is a rich universe of thousands of characters. Why are all your suggestions in the X-Men family? Savage Land? Can they go to Savage Land? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> they can probably go. No, they can't even go to Latveria because that's what the about, Fantastic Four universe. What Maybe about they can Mole go, Man? They could fight Mole Man. The problem with Mole Man is that your climax is again going to be the characters. No, Mole Man's a Fantastic Four character. What am I talking about? What? A, who do the fucking Avengers fight then, dude? Other than Ultron, Ultron, and Loki, Zemo, which they've used, Loki, Loki, which they used. They fight like Loki, fucking cool Namor hand, cool in hand the comics. Loki. Namor, second comic. It's they fight good, Namor, it's a right? Good or question. third comic? Uh, no. No, the you're second f- one's where they fight, uh, the Hulk. Uh, <laughs> yes. They, I mean, you could have, if you're going to go back to the early ones, there's the Living Eraser, the yeah. Space Phantom. <laughs> yeah, the Space Phantom. You they could do those characters. The Magma Man. Who's going to play Space Phantom? Fucking Hugh Laurie. Oh, they'll bring him back. Apparently, they can't use Kang for some reason. Lame. I mean, the Avengers. What about Kodos? Why, Yada. Uh, the Avengers don't have an amazing rogues gallery for the uh-huh. most part, but. That's why I love wrecking, Spider-Man, dude. Spider-Man's got the best rogues gallery. Mm-hmm. But they could they could fight the wrecking crew, you know, like the, the wrecker the and his backup band for all those classic <laughs> Motown. Sure, hits. they can they can fight them, I guess. Uh, I think they'll probably beat them. I mean, they're just musicians, but right? But I think that's one of the reasons that I mean, they could fight the Grim Reaper. 
They could fight Enchantress, the Executioner. I mean, any of the Masters of Evil characters. Who's that guy with the skull face who has a shield and a sword? That's uh, Taskmaster. Yeah, can they fight that guy? I, w- I would love it. He would be great, right? He's, I, I've been a fav- fav- fan of his for a long time. Yeah. Uh, but I, my main thing would be mix up the plots. It's the same way that at the end of a Force Awakens, which I was enjoying greatly, they're like, here's what they're f- cooking up. It's an even bigger Death Star. And I was like, oh, really? Although, this is the third time we've seen a Death Star climax. I did love that they hung a lantern on it where Han Solo was just like, oh, it's just a bigger Death Star. Let's, <laughs> but there's like, always a way to explode those. Even better than calling it out is just like do something different. <laughs> yeah. I feel like here's what I want to see in a Marvel movie. I want to see the characters not dealing with a big army of things jumping at them or a portal. And in Star Wars movies, what I'd love to see in a future Star Wars sequel is, like, the bad guys have figured out a way to get into people's minds. Like, there's a telepathic through the dark side of the Force threat. So it's not a big thing they have to blow up, but it's something that they have to try to outwit even though it's inside their own head. You know, something that is – you could still have action sequences. Maybe the – and I'm not a huge fan of heroes fighting each other plot lines, but you could do that with this. You don't know who to trust. But – with the Marvel movies, they got to figure out some way to do it that it's not just the heroes standing in one place while an army of aliens or robots flies at them over and over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You cannot pass like the we draw the line here, that sort of thing. Unless, like a Rourke's Drift sort of situation. Unless it's going to be the executioner on that bridge uh, in that one Thor comic where he stands there to fight the army of the dead with two automatic weapons in his hands. Mm-hmm. Or whatever it's called. It's got mm-hmm. some Norse name. Yeah. And it becomes his legend that he perished at that bridge holding off thousands of undead. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, although I think it's funny that you bring up changing up plot lines in third acts when he's talking about uh, Civil War, which had was it was a huge uh, change from the other Marvel movies. And That's it true. It was feature, different. It, it doesn't, doesn't feature a big battle. There's no portal. I mean, there's a big battle at the end of the second act between the two groups of heroes. Yeah, where they're like, hey, we're going to give you everything you've ever dreamed of. Enjoy this. Oh, that was so great. Spider-Man's there, and yep. Ant-Man turns into Giant Man and rips the wing Paul off Rudd's a plane. Paul great, yeah. Like, that was maybe my favorite scene in any of those movies, I think. Mm-hmm. But some mix it up, mix them up. Variety, 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 yeah. you know? Put more Craven in there. Viva variety. Craven, yeah, Craven could be in there yeah, now because Spider-Man's part of the Blue MCU. Jeans. Barry Blue, uh, not Barry, Barry Blue, Blue Jeans. That's, that's from Adventure Zone. Zone thing. No, I think his name is Johnny Blue. Johnny Jeans. Blue Jeans. Yeah, I'm Johnny Blue Jeans. Yeah. There anyway. was the the uh, that song he had called "I Just Want to Make Out with You, Babe." <laughs> These <laughs> things are going over to that one corner of the roller rink. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this next letter, speaking of Marvel, it's uh, titled <laughs> "Elliot Asks and I Deliver." From Chris, last name with L. Is it Pratt? Is it? <laughs> Uh, no. Go Evans? see that movie where it's me and Jennifer Lawrence right, in space. It's not. Uh, it's titled Elliot. And Michael a- Sheen. Uh, it's titled Elliot asks and I deliver. Yeah, it's a robo bartender. It's from Nora. Last name with hell. Nora Charles. My greatest enemy is a robo bartender. <laughs> <laughs> it's a gonna put me out of business. <laughs> Wait, hold on. It's a new new voice I'm working. <laughs> she writes. Oh, Elliot, baby, you shouldn't ask for sexual fantasies on the internet. You don't really want to know. No. The Mar- I, I don't the, remember doing that. The Marvel Universe. You asked for Marvel sexual fantasies. I did? The Marvel Universe is one of sexy, sexy, impossible beings. And how can a girl resist that? I want to share a hotel room with MCU Black Widow and Hawkeye and have a party in our underwear while Weird Al's party in the CIA plays on the stereo. 
If you don't think that's a sexual fantasy, you're thinking about it all wrong. Mm -mm. I want Thor, but from the late 90s with the leather and the belts and the hair. And then I want to put. So like when it was when it was Thunderstrike. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know enough about the history of Thor. All right, forget it then. The leather and the belts and the hair. And then I want to put him in a, give him a makeover and braid his ridiculous 90s hair and put him in heels. I want to be sandwiched between Tommy Shepard and David Elaine. You know those two are fucked, right? Am I right or am I right? I don't even know right? who those are. I want to make tacos with the 616 Hawkeyes and feed one to Pizza Dog. That one's not sexual. It just seems really nice. They deserve nice things. I'm learning ASL. I bet Clint would help me practice. Imagine us eating on the couch, sunlight streaming in through the windows, Lucky laying with his head on her on my feet. This is so wrapped up in current continuity. Maybe Kate would let me play with her hair. Gosh, that continuity. sounds nice. Oh Recent my continuity. God, are we talking about the fucking current Hawkeye well, book? We're, no, we're I... talking about not the current Jeff Lemire book. We're talking about the previous Matt Fraction book. Oh, I hate that book. Mind you, you just don't like Matt Fraction. I like Matt Fraction. My teenage years, my teenage years were spent furiously reading every DC comic I could get my hands on. Boo. So, so I have like hundreds of fantasies about Clark Kent and Hal Jordan and Cass Kane. But that's not what you asked for. So I'll save those for another day. That's the direct competition, right? Yeah, that's the yeah. This is the House of Ideas. Lots and of that's lo- brand Ech. <laughs> Lots of love. And thanks for making a fangirl happy with your Silver Surfer erotic roleplay fantasy. Oh, that's what it was. Nora Last that. Name Withheld. I'm I remember sorry that for complaining now. about Hawkeye. Yeah, I mean, growing up reading comics in the 90s myself, but almost all Marvel, my fantasies were all about, like, Psylocke, you know, sure. or Rogue. Wait, which, Rogue. which Psylocke, I want to touch dude? Rogue, but I can't do it. Which Psylocke? Yeah. Betsy Braddock's mind in Quanon's body. Oh, okay. See, I like the the old Psylocke. Oh, like 80s Psylocke, when she was still like, in Betsy Braddock's body. <laughs> yeah. Rogue was no, no, like, no. I want an English woman's brain in an Asian woman's body. That's the Psylocke for me. <laughs> the one that was trying to seduce Cyclops for a couple months and then gave up on it and no one ever talked about it again. Yeah, that was weird. Rogue was like so obvious, it was like barely even subtext. What? The idea of like, you want to touch this, but you can't. You can't touch it. But you want and to. And from her point of view, she wants can't. to be touched, but she exactly. can't. Exactly. And it's bad for Remy LeBeau, her beau. We've, we've talked about the uh, the idea that male X-Men readers or female X-Men readers who like women uh, usually cat. F- fall into either the shadow cat or rogue category. Yeah, I like, mean. Those are the two the two available fantasies. I feel like you are, and Psylocke, I don't know what you're talking about. Her, her costume is just a thong bathing suit, but with shadow cat, that was very much... It was like all these ex-women characters you want to, you just want to fling with. But Kitty Pride, you want to marry. has a, de- she's a developed character. Kitty Pride, you want to marry. That's a yeah. girl you can take home to mom because you're Jewish and so is your mom. So you're not interested in like magic? Uh, well, magic's <laughs> kind of creepy and weird. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, if I start dating her, suddenly what? I've got to go, i got to go have dinner at Belasco's house in <laughs> sounds, limbo? Sounds great. Not interested. <laughs> She's a wild card, dude. Or maybe, you know what? Maybe I just want to have kind of a no-strings-attached relationship with Lila Cheney. She's always touring course, the universe dude. with Strong Guy. My favorite character in the Marvel Universe, Lila <laughs> Intergalactic Cheney. Intergalactic rock star, Lila, Lila Cheney. Oh, my God. I love that shit. But she's related to Dick That's Cheney. what the fucking Marvel movies need, is more of that shit. But more she's in the X-Men. Crap. Well, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is coming out. So that's where the cosmic stuff is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're going to put all the... Uh, are they going to put, what? what is it, Cosmo, the telepathic dog? Uh, are they? Maybe. Here's Jeff Goldblum's part. I would have him as maybe the living tribunal, who's long been a favorite character of mine. 
He's the one. He's the he's the judge of the cosmos who has three I think faces. The living tribunals they reference that in Doctor Strange. Oh, they do really? Because yeah. he's a Doctor Strange character too. He would yeah. they would always be like Stephen Strange. Eternity is in trouble, and then he'd have to go, you know, save Eternity from Dormammu or something. Not so. Eternia, Dan. That's no, that's where, where he, lives. come on. It's basically a cut rate kids hyperborea. I'm sorry for whatever I did to you guys. <laughs> You started this podcast. Robert Howard spinning in his grave thinking of Eternia. <laughs> I mean, He-Man is a pretty blatant ripoff of Conan. It's like, uh, what if we nobody will what notice? What if like a nerdy wimp got to break a sword and turn into a oh, giant actually, awesome then, dude? What if we took that one scene from the heavy metal movie and did a kid series about that where he's nerdy, but then he turns into a big barbarian guy? You're talking about Den, right? Den. And then they all have lasers. Yeah, we're John Goodman. Right, John Candy. Is it John Candy? John, <clears throat> John Candy. The world, uh, the world of Den is still. If I was going to name a, so if you could live Maybe in any right. fantasy world, uh, which fantasy world would you live in? My response yeah. is always obviously the world of Den from Heavy Metal, uh-huh. where you get to like murder orcs and be an awesome dude. You get to be a Richard Corbin character. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, I've heard. Uh, living in uh, Stars Hollow from Gilmore Girls is a suitable answer because mm-hmm. you just eat food all the time and hang out. Wait, that counts as a fantasy world? That's, a, uh, that's totally Candy? a fantasy world. Dan, you were right. I don't know why I thought John, even though knowing John Candy did other parts in that movie, I don't know why I thought it was John Goodman. It was My John friends Candy. Jen and Scott bring this up almost every time they're at the bar. Hmm. Bring up what? If you could live in any fantasy world, what fantasy world would you live in? Uh, or a world from fiction. Fictional world. Fictional world, Okay. Good question. Hmm. 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 I mean, all of the worlds that I think of are like... Charlie Brown? (laughs) Why would I... No, that's the world I'm doomed to live in already. That's not the world that I want to live in. I want to live in the world of of the corrections. I want to live in perpetual melancholy. (laughs) And the infinite sadness, yeah. No, all of the worlds that I feel like immediately spring to mind are like very like tweedy, uh, comforting English worlds. Like, oh, you know, like, like the wind in the willows, or like something? wind in the willows. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was thinking of. Or like Hobbiton before any like, you know, like stuff actually happens. Just like, yeah, just yeah, like yeah, the stage. But it's just when it's all before just Sharky and his ass wipes show up. Yeah. When it's all just making seed cakes mm-hmm. for people's birthdays and having multiple breakfasts. <laughs> You want that is a very good response, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, I think there's a lot of people who'd agree with you. Who wouldn't want to live in the Shire before those dwarves come and start screwing up your life, (laughs) singing and throwing your dishes around and making you go on quests? (laughs) What did Bilbo do up till that point? He was just kind of independently wealthy. Did he have a job? No, I think he was just independently wealthy, dude. Okay. Uh, all the all the fictional worlds I can think of are horrifying, and I don't really want to live there. I just, but they're dramatic. But I guess they're Marvel Universe. Not Even Blade though, Runner? Yeah, I don't want to live in Blade Runner. I don't want to live in Road Warrior. I don't want to live in Call of Cthulhu. You don't, Wait, you don't have like a weird power fantasy where you're like a, like the Lord of the Wasteland? Oh, for sure. But I don't really want to do that. They call him the accountant. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that that Ben Affleck movie that just came out recently? Yeah, but... Uh, but I mean, come on, dude. <laughs> if somebody looked at you and then the the Beantown bad boy Ben Affleck, <laughs> I thought they would about think you're the accountant, and not him. Good point. Good. I've point. thought about what superpower I wanted. Bad boy. <laughs> I've thought about what superpower I wanted before. Also applicable, Beantown bad boy. <laughs> 
and I came up with uh, Wolverine's healing factor, factor not oh, because... You are such a... You're such a boring person, Dan. Not because... <laughs> now I'll never have to worry about getting sick. Thanks, Exactly. Logan. Exactly. That's the thing. Like, it's not because of anything, like, exciting. It's because, like... <laughs> no arthritis such, for me. I'm such a hypochondriac that I'm just like, oh, boy, if I could just heal all the time, mm-hmm. if I could be at peak physical condition without <laughs> doing anything, any work, that would be the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. Let's hope this works on my feelings, too. <laughs> oh. All right. Too far. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm imagining a PSA with Wolverine where he's bullied, and then he's like, "Tell you one thing, my healing factor doesn't work on hurt yeah, feelings." I mean, the the answer for Superpower is simple: you want to be able to fly and also have X-ray vision, so you can look at Dude. Uh, the answers to tests and look at naked ladies. <laughs> how are the answers to tests? How I don't know if the guy if the the teachers got it in like a Manila folder. <laughs> I can look right through that shit, dude. And the teacher's what, like, holding it up in the air while you're taking the test? Flying is so much less useful than a healing factor. What are you talking about? Yeah, I can go anywhere I want, dog. I'm Say not, goodbye like, going to buying a Metro card. <laughs> yeah. Unless it's raining. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess, well, I don't know, teleportation would be well, better tele- than flying. Teleportation and mind reading are always the ones that I would want. Oh, that'll drive you insane, dude. Well, with the mind reading, well, the real one that would drive you insane is if you were like the purple man, because you'd never know if people really liked you or if you were just making them like you. That's why the purple man's a good guy, right? <laughs> yep, that's where the think, term perp comes from. I think this is officially the nerdiest conversation we've ever had on this podcast. And that's saying something, because this is a podcast. Yeah, right off the we're bat. We're doing a podcast, <laughs> well, Let's move to the next letter, shall we? Uh, this is from Jack, last name withheld. I'm working on a Doctor Who collage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on a Doctor Who adult coloring book. I have an algorithm set up to figure out which is the best volume of Is- volume of Isaac Asimov's Foundation series. <laughs> yeah, this goes it's based on my Stratomatic <laughs> Baseball League that I've been playing in for many years. Here's now I've taken all the major baseball players and I've <laughs> randomly given them the powers of fictional characters. <laughs> <laughs> so, for instance, uh, does Derek Jeter have the abilities of, say, uh, Sandra Clegane for fighting? <laughs> yeah. Yes. And here, Daryl Strawberry has the investigative abilities of Hercule Poirot. <laughs> <laughs> the investigative abilities. And, of course, the infield is all your various shagaths. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, Jack, last name withheld, says... Beanstalk. <laughs> Dear Elliot, Stephen, and the other guy whose name I forgot, I'm an avid fan of you, Peaches, but alas, my wife is not a listener. Understandably. (laughs) Yeah, if you listen to this show, we're morons. She's the one responsible for your names and the salutation, and she's the one who never listened, sorry, she's the one who listened to the entire Ziggy pitch, only to make me promise that I'd never make her her listen to you again. (laughs) You gotta divorce her. Just kidding, she sounds sensible. Despite all that, she was watching a classic bad movie, Twilight, and insisted that I bring a glaring plot hole to your attention. In the movie, okay. our heroine, Bella, is trying to learn about... You gotta say it like this. Bella. 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 Is trying He's to learn beautiful. about... Baby uh, Bella. Quayute uh, <laughs> legends. Oh, that's that mushroom everybody's so into nowadays. The, I have no idea how you would pronounce this word, but I'm gonna say Quayute legends. A Native American Coyote. tribe... Well, how would you say this? Oh, I don't know. Quayote, it actually looks like, it looks more French than Spanish to me. Quayote, legends, a Native American tribe that became werewolves to fight vampires. 
In her search, she Story takes the out. internet to explore the legend. She skips over the first several results only to choose a website <laughs> featuring a book on the legend. Rather than order online, she opts to head to a local bookstore to pick up the book instead. Oh uh, yeah, because because she's trying to support local independent retailers. Well, that's, wild, that's exactly what the parenthetical says after that. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Uh, presumably, she believes in supporting local businesses. She buys the book. Look, book court just closed, and I'm still kind of unhappy about it. Yeah. She buys the book, takes it home, opens it to a random page, and reads the caption of the picture that mentions the cold ones. Rather than re- sorry, rather than continuing reading the book, she turns back to the internet, enters Coyote and Cold Ones, and continues her research online. <laughs> That's this, how it works sometimes, I dude. Mean, I'm, what I'm seeing is that she's able to synthesize multiple streams of data. This is obviously nonsense. So I ask you, dear Peaches, two questions. One, what's your favorite no prize? Well, sorry, what's your no prize explanation for this insanity? And two. What are your favorite nonsense moments in a movie's plot? Keep on flopping in the free world, Jack, last name withheld. So what's your explanation for this insanity? And I mean, she's a millennial. She's more comfortable on the internet than she is with dead print. But why did she go get the book if she's just going to turn back to the internet? Maybe she's trying something new. I don't know. Maybe she needs to get out of the house, walk around. She's been looking at the computer for too long. Uh-huh. Look, they needed to stretch out the sequence. Uh, I think here's the thing. Sometimes when you're researching, and I'm learning this for my new series, Presidents Are People Too, on iTunes and also Audible Originals and Amazon Prime. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when you're researching something, you don't realize that you've got a key to what you need until you go somewhere else. Or you're looking for information you can only find in a book, but then that helps you find something online. I actually was dealing with something like that today as I researched a piece about William Howard Taft's time as Governor General of the Philippines. And... There was a quote that I found a partial version of in a book that I didn't know about till I read it in the book, and then I looked up online to find the original source for it, and I found it. So what I'm saying is multiple streams of information. It's the future of research. Join me, won't you, on a fun <clears throat> and imaginative journey well, to I- research skills. It's research skills learner with Elliot Kalen. Time to improve your research skills. Volume 1. Basic research. Do do do. So I was about to make a research. joke about how it I'd means to search again. <laughs> so I, I was about to make a joke about how I zoned off, uh, and then Elliot just kept fucking talking, dude. <laughs> this is a group comedy show. So what's your favorite nonsense? Moment I don't think so. <laughs> nope, it's called Elliot and Pals. <laughs> oh man, I yeah. What's a nonsense moment? You. I mean, there's a. I mean, there's a million of them, so it's tough to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think my favorite is. <laughs> it's similar to this in Ringu, when they're looking up information on the ghost, and they're like, "We only have a week to live." Well, let's call it off for the night. It's getting pretty late, and then they just stop researching for the night and go have dinner, and I guess go to bed. <laughs> And I remember watching and being like, "You don't have a lot of time left. Like, burn the candle at both ends, dude." I mean, I don't know. Like, I think if you only have a little bit of time left, you're going to want a delicious dinner. <laughs> That's true. Really you enjoy it. every element of life. Yeah. What do you think, Dan? All I can think of is plot holes, which is not the same thing as like a nonsense moment. Like I've talked about the Back to the Future Two plot hole before, so I don't feel which like one that's, is that? It's that um, how Max Headroom was not that popular. Biff. Once Biff goes back in time. <laughs> To uh, give the uh, 
Sports Almanac. Almanac to his younger self. He cannot return to the original timeline. Well, that's not a plot hole. It's a time paradox. There's a plot hole because he would be on a new, he would, if he returned to the future, he would be returning to the future on the new timeline where Biff is a success. How do you know he didn't do that? Because he does, he comes back with the time machine and that's how they get back to the past. So wait a minute. Are you saying that when he hands that sports <laughs> almanac, he should immediately morph into like an older, wealthier version of himself? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, like, or he should just disappear. One Wait, he one. died? Uh, yeah. A little thing called uh, conservation of matter, Dan. You can't matter just can't disappear. Nor can it exist at the same space at the same time. A la look time at, cop. Look at time cop. <laughs> a look at the the uh, medical research journal time cop. <laughs> In the case of one R Silver. Yeah, a human being that does the splits will totally avoid lightning. <laughs> Dan, let's move on to the next letter. I think right. I'm having trouble coming up with a really. I think the real nonsense. plot hole here is that Dan read this letter and is like, hmm, this is good. I'll include this in the show, but didn't come up with an example himself. <laughs> Nor did he. Last time we did this, he told us the questions ahead of time so we could come up with examples. Yeah, but you didn't read them. So I was like, well, I, we that totally experiment did. didn't we work. Really good. Oh, it didn't work once. Have you ever heard of Try Try Again? <laughs> yeah, the imitation game. All right, we'll do it. I don't remember that movie that well. <laughs> well, we didn't crack the German code once. I guess we'll never try. Mm-hmm. All right. So the last letter of the evening is from Natalie, last name withheld. Portman. A and, merchant. And she writes. A Portman merchant. <laughs> Dear Flophouse, I need to talk to you about something. Okay. Buts. Oh, now we know why Dan picked this letter. <laughs> Lately, I've been a bit obsessed with staring at perfectly shaped butts due to my career. I'm a wardrobe dresser. Oh. My latest I job. I thought you were a butt sculptor. <laughs> my latest job has me dressing dancers who, more likely or not, have the most perfect butts of anyone on the planet. Men, women, all shapes and sizes. I think my obsession started with my love for Gene Kelly. I watched an American in Paris nonstop when I was in high school, and it's never stopped. A few years ago, I even came across this Tumblr page dedicated to Gene Kelly's butt. And if you want to look at it at home, it's genekellysbutt.tumblr.com. I've seen that Tumblr. As you can see, his butt is glorious at every angle. First of all, how can I help myself from staring at butts while at work? I'm afraid that the dancers will eventually catch me staring. Second... What or who possesses your favorite butts in TV or film and why? Dangerous territory. Dan, it doesn't necessarily have to be wives' butts. Elliot, <laughs> it can be from a theater performance you saw. Oh, okay. Well, that's different then. Stuart, you're good. I love the show. <laughs> I don't even well, know what know, that means. We know Stuart's answer. <laughs> and it's a highlight of every fortnight. It's going to be what? Tiffany Shepas? Keep on the flopping. <laughs> Man, I almost said it at the same out. time as you. <laughs> <laughs> um... I don't know. That's a good question. So well, no, it's not a good off, question. It's a terrible question. It's not a good question. It can only lead to trouble. Yeah. I mean, Although I would say the uh, that male gymnasts arguably have crazier butts. Than male when dancers? The, when you see them little dudes up on those rings, like that butt, what the heck, dude? No, male dancers have, have Yeah, no, I mean, I, I m- male-wise, she's right that uh, Gene Kelly has the best butt. Probably in history. Yeah. There's a lot the of... The definition of Calipigian. There's uh, there's junk in that trunk, but it's uh, it's no, well-formed. It's all high-quality merchandise. It's well-formed junk. It's not junk. 
Why are you staring at me like this, Dan? <laughs> I just, I just want some, I want some validation. <laughs> yeah, this is Dan has dedicated his life to the study of butts. We, he needs, he's so happy I'm to get someone a validating if you that. Will. Yeah, I mean, there's a proctologist. That's basically a butt. I mean, right? that is someone who actually has dedicated their lives to the no, study of butts. No, I mean, or is that somebody who studies? That's just uh, the inside. If you're unwilling or Proctor, unable, uh, and gamble, Commander Harris's buddy. <laughs> If, <laughs> Procter and Gamble, they're cops. If you're un, unwilling or unable to say which is the best butt, uh, I'll say, say it. Gene Kelly Look, in conversation. Gene Kelly or Carla Gugino, it's going to have Gene in the name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are good butts. Uh, <laughs> I'd say te- I like Tiffany <coughs> Shepis or Nicole Kidman. Those are good oh. butts. And Gene Kelly. <laughs> Throw them in there. I don't want to be. Uh, I don't want to just. I already feel so gross that we're even. I don't want to stick this. to my cisgender. Uh, you know. Wait, what is that? That's not. Are you using my heterosexual. That? Yes, thank you. You're using cisgender. Incorrectly. No, no, it's it's not true. I mean, like my cisgender heterosexual. Uh, I don't want to. I mean, the fact feel that gross cisgender because... just means you haven't changed gender. Yes, but well, but it also let's not get into this on the air. Well, <laughs> yes, let's discuss it later. Do you guys feel gross because <laughs> farts come out of butts? Do I feel gross because of that? <laughs> no, it's yeah. natural. Uh, no, but the that's more, what I tell people. <laughs> the more important question is how do we get her to stop staring at butts? Um, I mean, it sounds like it's part of her job. She's fitting their clothes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think maybe? Throw a compelling magazine in between her eye line and the butts. I think it's clear what the answer is. She has to start staring at groins. <laughs> It'll it's a short term solution. Oh wow, yeah. I feel like at that point though, you're uh, you're dealing with a with a potentially greater evil. Yeah, I feel like this. I feel like that's a slippery slope, and you're you're going down. I don't there. understand. Yeah, I think there the you go down solution. to you go down it. to the back of the knees. Uh oh. Because then you're the people are gonna be like, uh, my butt's back here. <laughs> <laughs> so Pardon Dan, me, Dan. Why did we have to end on the butts letter? I don't know. It's because it was literally the well because I wanted to separate it out from the Marvel sexual fantasies letter. I felt like they were too uh, similar. Dan just turned his chair chair around and he put a real talk. baseball cap on. Oh, real talk, guys. Oh, boy. I just wanted to keep the gross letters, you know. This has been a weird episode. Apart from each other. Yeah, <laughs> we barely to... talked about Nicolas Cage in this Cage's no. episode, but we talked a lot about sex and butts and things. And I'm uncomfortable about that. Mm-hmm. Not me, baby. Bring it <laughs> yeah. on. This is sex Bring talk. Bring it on. All or two balls. <laughs> um... So what else do we do on this jizz cast? <laughs> no. Wow, don't say that. <laughs> oh, it's, it's too late. Now I'm this uncomfortable. This is the midnight of the soul. <laughs> I was cool with everything else that was happening, and then jizz cast came out of Stuart's mouth. Yeah, what are you mm. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, don't pin this on me. Don't pin this on me, no, copper. Don't pin the tail on this donkey. Bang, 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 bang. Oh, no, it's a shootout. <laughs> um, so what else do we do here, dude? We just talked about... We <laughs> recommend... I'm not going to go over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. This we're is we're going to lose all year. of... This is yeah. we're ending the year. Yep. To be fair, kind of everybody yeah. wants to say goodbye to this Kind year. of a whimper, yeah. yeah. Uh, so AV Club was about- right not to put us on our <laughs> best of 2016 Whoa. list. Hot take. Well, let's wrap that bandage back over that wound, Dan. Uh, let's talk about some movies that we actually liked. 
kind of like the movie we watched tonight. Yeah. And in fact, I'm going to recommend a movie that is not super far from the movie we watched tonight. I'm going to recommend a movie called Heller High Water. Uh, About my middle school teacher, Water. Mrs. Heller. Heller High Water came out this year. It is a uh, kind of it's a movie about two brothers who, uh, due to a position they're put by the bank, uh, turn to robbing banks. Oh, they're in, like a couple of Newton boys. Yep, in West Texas, and born and raised. They have come up with a scheme that's going to allow them to rob some banks and, in theory, hopefully, get away with it. And they're being pursued by a Texas Ranger played by Jeff Bridges. This is a movie that is written by Taylor Sheridan, who wrote the script for Sicario, another oh. movie I really liked. Um, and I feel like kind of watching this movie almost makes Sicario a better movie. Like, I think it adds a little bit of definition to it because this is a movie that is not very subtle. It's a movie that clearly has an agenda. It's not afraid to play up some of its feelings on uh, the disparity of wealth in America. And it is a movie that treats every scene, whether even if they're just scenes that are, are mainly for exposition or to build out the plot, it treats those scenes uh, as if they are interesting little mini stories and every character is given a little bit of extra definition. Uh, so it ends up being a very fun movie to watch Chris Pine gives one of his best performances, and Jeff Bridges is fucking great as always. Um, and it's kind of a reminder as to why he's such a great actor, and he's kind of so important to the American <coughs> film scene. And it also highlights a great performance by Ben Foster, who Australian for Ben Beer. Yeah, that's <laughs> thing. Uh, at, who is great in almost every movies, and yeah. even if it's the remake of Three Ten to Yuma. Um, <laughs> He's awesome. You said that as if that was the worst movie ever made. That is the worst movie I've ever seen. Uh, So if you get a chance, go see, uh, watch Hell or High Water. It's great. Dan? Dan? Do you have a movie? (laughs) Did I scare you? I'm going to recommend a little movie. You say the word butts. Called... Why are you making a weird face? Yeah. Stop making sense. <laughs> so you don't have a movie to recommend this week uh, is what you're saying. No, hold on. I'm going to recommend a movie. It's, uh, it's a sequel. It's called Ca- Start Castle Freak. <laughs> oh, okay. Go on. Dan, I've heard good want, things. Do you want to pass on this one? Uh, I, Dan you know, hasn't been on planes lately, guys. Yeah. He's still working. <laughs> Dan hasn't been on a mode of transportation, so he hasn't seen I, any movies. I haven't had a chance to to see anything else. I, I You know what? Uh, I I did a bunch of runner-up movies last week. Yeah, you wasted a lot of movies. I wasted a lot of movies. Let's just say that L, the Paul Verhoeven movie, is definitely worth seeing. It's uh, the movie hinges on a rape. So if that is something that is a deal breaker for you in terms of watching a movie, uh, maybe it's not the movie for you. But it's uh, Isabelle Huppert is uh, fantastic in it. It's uh, fantastically directed. It's just, I'm not quite sure what the movie's saying. It's a movie where, um, is it, it's in English, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> it is not. Stuart winked at me and I appreciated it. Uh, <laughs> it's a subtitle. Well, no film. subtitles. Was that the problem? It's a subtitled film. Uh, it's a movie where the rape victim steadfastly refuses to behave as a victim 
whether it be by um, seeming victimized or whether it be by seeking revenge in an obvious way. Um, it's a movie where like she actually ends up sort of engaging in a weird sexual cat and mouse with the person who was her rapist. And it's a definite provo- provocation from uh, Verhoeven. Yeah, as it dealt with his uh, classic subtle Verhoeven touch. <laughs> it's more subtle than Verhoeven usually is. I will say that. Um, and it's definitely worth watching. I, I mean, just the guy who made a movie where a Jewish woman goes undercover in Nazi Germany and there's a scene where she dyes her pubes blonde. <laughs> yes. That's or the, the mayor of Detroit steps over a dying homeless person in the street. <laughs> Actually, he's, I don't think he made RoboCop 2, right? No, no, he didn't make RoboCop He's not known but for... But if he had, <laughs> then nuke. <laughs> I mean, RoboCop I mean, that definitely is not sounds, particularly subtle either. It sounds like something that could take place in a Verhoeven movie. Uh, he's he's an interesting guy, and I'm not quite sure what to make of L, but I also know that it was good and worth watching and worth wrestling with, even if you're not quite sure what it's saying, and you're not quite sure whether it's saying it... <laughs> Uh, in a responsible way, uh, it's a smart and interesting movie. So it'll make you think. It'll make you blink. <laughs> L. Well, I feel like Paul Verhoeven's one of those filmmakers who is, I mean, generally will make interesting movies. And also yeah. who, someone where you are being, you are not buying into what he's selling if you take everything at face value in his films. Mm-hmm. I Correct. feel like that you can take things at face values, but you will be missing what he's actually saying through it. And yeah. It's up to you to puzzle that out. It's like Total Recall. <laughs> <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. uh, so my movie that I'm going to recommend is Total Recall. Is not Total Recall. It's an old it's Scrotal movie. Recall. The, <laughs> the TV <laughs> show that, that just changed what its name. name. <laughs> they changed the name of the show. Why do they change the name? <laughs> because Scrotal Recall is a terrible name. <laughs> but it makes it's for fans of Total Recall. <laughs> it's Scrotums. <laughs> It's neither of those things. That's why they changed it. So it's not like one of those VeggieTales type movie, but instead of veggies, it's yeah. a it's, pair of testicles going through the story of Total Recall. Scrotal Recall, the treasure of the lost lamp. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to recommend a movie now. It's a, a movie directed by Carol Reed, who directed one of my favorite movies of all time, The Third Man. Mm. And this is one that I actually was not even familiar with until I recently read an old interview with him, and it came up, and it was really, really good, and I really liked it a lot. It's called Outcast of the Islands, and it's an adaptation of Joseph Conrad's An Outcast of the Islands, Joseph Conrad being one of my favorite authors. It's strange that I was not familiar with this movie, and yet I wasn't until I heard read it mentioned. And it's got an all-star English cast, Ralph Richardson, Trevor Howard, Robert Morley, who you may remember as the English guy the Muppets meet when they first land in England in Great Muppet Caper. Oh, yeah. Uh, George Caloris. Uh, And it's all – being a Joseph Conrad story, it's all about life both on the sea and in tropical isles. Mm -hmm. Uh, Trevor Howard plays – Imperialism. Yes. And that's the one thing I don't like about Joseph Conrad is you have to grapple with uh, basically imperialism and his own – feelings on that um and the one flaw in this is that there's a fair amount of english actors playing these kind of either there's they're kind of sri lankan or javanese or some kind of you know non-white characters so that's not so great but what are you gonna do it's a movie from the 50s uh and everyone's really good in it 
But Trevor Howard plays this kind of ne'er-do-well blaggard rogue. He is a real steer bike. Remy LeBeau type. Who has is in Singapore working as a trader and has pissed off his boss and he has to leave. Years ago, he was the protege of a captain played by Ralph Richardson. And this captain has a special route only he knows about to this village that he can trade in and where he can exchange things and get valuable things. Everyone wants to know this route because they all want to get to this trading territory. But Ralph Richardson's the only one who knows how to get there. And because years ago he took Trevor Howard under his wing, he decides he's going to try to do it again and try to save this man from his own sins again and brings him to that village and everything goes wrong. Trevor Howard doesn't get along with the guy running the place for the captain, and he falls under the spell of the daughter of a rival village headman, and she essentially drives him into a state of madness, and he betrays everyone he knows and has to face up to the consequences. And, you know, it's a tale of uh, men going insane and fighting tooth and nail for things that don't really belong to them in the first place. Uh, and I really liked it a lot. It was super intense. It reminded me of like kind of a men version of Black Narcissus in some ways. Uh, and I liked it a lot. Outcast of the Islands. If you like the third man, give it a try. How's the uh, Zither in it? Uh, no, it's not Zither music. Fuck that. It's not, li- not exactly like the third man. Okay. But it, it is like the third man in that it looks great and the actors are great and the story is really interesting and there's good dialogue. But there's no Zither. Joseph Cotton's not in it. Uh, Alita Valley's not in it. No, thanks. The closest uh, you get is Karima. Karima that's, that's, Abdul-Jabbar? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. So, three great recommendations. <laughs> uh, Dan, are we heading to the end of the episode? We are heading, we are hurtling towards the end. Oh. Dan, I was wondering. We're slouching toward the end of this year, guys. I wondered if I can end this episode and this year with a short prayer. Sure. Uh, seeing, sure. I guess saying Saving Christmas last episode and knowing that. Elliot's it's, pulling out a gun for some reason. Cage miss it all. I felt like uh, I just want to save you things. So, dear Nicholas Cage. This year was really difficult for a lot of people, a lot of our listeners, a lot of people who don't listen to us. And I worry that the future may be difficult, too. So I ask you, Nicolas Cage, please use your power from where you sit high above us in that castle in Germany to please help us bring the best of this world that we can and to make things a little better. Please give us at least three movies we can watch next year because your output has not been what it once was. And it's making it more difficult for us to do two I mean, cage misses a year. Three Nicholas Cage movies on demand right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. You know what, Nicholas? Stuart makes a good point. So forget that I said that last part. But St. Nicholas, please continue to be a beacon for us. Uh, in this these times of misunderstanding, it is inspiring to me that a great artist such as yourself can shoulder past the misunderstanding of others and their misreading of your work and instead continue to do what you do at the level of energy and enthusiasm you do it at. May we all take an example from this Nicolas Cage and in these future times really push forward with as much energy as we can. Just as boring as regular church. You know, (laughs) it reminds me of a a reading in Face Off, book three, verse two. I could eat a peach for hours. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yay. Did he see next? (laughs) Let us all eat a peach for hours. (laughs) 
<laughs> and let us push forward being the best that we can as our Lord Nicolas Cage is the best he can be. May his movies continue to be a symbol of his individuality and belief in personal freedom. <laughs> nice. May we all say. Nice reference. I'll, I got it. Amen. Amen. So thank you for the flop house. I've been Dan McCoy. That's been Elliot Kalen. And over there is Stuart Wellington. Boy, oy, oy, oy. <laughs> Good night, everyone. And happy holidays. Yeah. Price of my love's not a price that you're willing to pay. Mm. You cry in your tea, which you throw in the sea when you see me right by. Why so sad? No, no, it's like this. Because, uh, <laughs> why so serious, yeah. King George? Yep. Well, Commissioner Hamilton. <laughs> that's from uh, that's from uh, Dark Knightleton. <laughs> the Hamilton sure. Dark Knight Mash. That's a, oh, what a that would be huge. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. I'm Hal Lublin. I'm Danielle Radford. I am Michael Eagle. And we are the hosts of Tights and Fights, Maximum Fun's newest podcast dedicated to all things wrestling. We'll be talking about Sasha Banks, the women's revolution, Sasha Banks, the brand split, and Sasha Banks' wigs. And we'll also be talking about wrestler fashion. Some wrestlers wear too many clothes. Some wrestlers don't wear enough clothes at all. And I'll be doing impressions of all your favorite wrestlers. New episodes Thursdays on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, yeah, dig it. Ties and Fights Podcast. Ties and Fights. What do Maria Bamford, Jad Abumrad, Dick Cavett, Phoebe Robinson, Dan Deacon, W. Kamau Bell, Brooke Gladstone, and Andrew W.K. have in common. They've all been speakers and performers at past MaxFunCons. Every MaxFunCon is a murderer's row of amazing stand-up comedians, thoughtful cultural leaders, and skilled artists. And MaxFunCon and MaxFunCon East 2017 will be no different. Visit MaxFunCon.com for dates and more information and to grab your ticket before they're gone.